Hello, everyone. Art Tomasetti with our July edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer and hopefully getting to take a break from work or school. Our look back in aviation history this week takes us back to 2001. No, not to an alien monolith on the moon and not on board a spaceship heading to Jupiter with a slightly paranoid supercomputer. Instead, we find ourselves at Edwards Air Force Base for a flight test event for the X-35B. Now, I know this story well as I got to experience it firsthand being the fortunate soul who played the part of test pilot that day. The flight was nicknamed Mission X, which just sounds like it should have a summer blockbuster movie made from it. That mission was to perform a short takeoff, level supersonic dash, and vertical landing all in the same flight. Now, none of those elements was particularly challenging for the X-35B, and each had been performed already. But this mission would be the first time they would be performed together, ever, by any aircraft, as far as our research could tell us. And on the morning of 20 July, I manned up the aircraft, taxied to the runway, and performed a short takeoff in about 450 feet of ground roll, flew a steep climb to 25,000 feet, accelerated to Mach 1.05, performed a few test points, and then returned to an aluminum matting landing pad there at Edwards Air Force Base for a vertical landing. As a test pilot, I have many opportunities to talk about this event, and it makes a good airplane story. But more importantly, like so many of the achievements we talk about in this aviation history section, it shows what a team of people working together towards a common goal, overcoming challenges, and committed to success can accomplish. The pictures, videos, and stories sometimes highlight the aircraft or the aircrew, but in the professional flight test, success comes from teamwork and commitment. Last month, we began an interview with Jim Weatherby, Captain, U.S. Navy retired, and former NASA astronaut and director. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, please do check it out. This month, we pick it up talking about trigger steps, questions he pondered with his space shuttle crew like, how do we prevent all errors? And finally, we discuss lessons learned. Captain Weatherby has had an amazing career in the Navy and at NASA and in the private sector, so please check out his webpage in the podcast description. You've had an amazing career, both on the, the Navy side and the NASA side. And you know that one of the ways that we try and improve safety in our business of flying airplanes is sharing lessons learned. So I got to imagine that in your career span and all the things you've had the opportunity to do, that you've had the occasional close call here and there. Do you have one in particular that you think has a relevant message, something that's a particularly great lesson learned that has helped you and that you might be able to share with us? Yes, I I start the book with an example like that, where I was landing in in an A7 on a wet runway. I I think I'd like to leave it to the reader to read that story in the book, um, which I, I found pretty interesting, where I almost died because I made a mistake. But I'd like to share with you a a different story that I think is more relevant maybe to various different occupations or functions that people have who are listening to your great podcast. Um, I learned late in my career, I I think I was getting ready to fly one of my later missions, and I'd already been an astronaut for 14 years or so, and I'd you know, flown in the Navy for eight years before that, I began to realize there's a conundrum in dangerous work. And it, it kind of goes like this. We're all humans. We all make mistakes. But in a dangerous endeavor, the smallest mistakes can quickly cast 
ready to command a mission and, and lead my team into space where we're going to conduct two weeks worth of thousands of critical operations, how are we going to prevent all errors and not have the mission degrade to a catastrophe? And and my crew was looking at me. I didn't have an answer. I had been flying dangerous businesses for missions for a lot of years. And so we asked other experienced crews, and the, the best answer I got was, well, you have to concentrate 125% the whole time you're in space. And I was thinking, well, that doesn't really help me. I, I understand the premise, but I can't really concentrate that that heavily for more than a couple of hours before getting mentally fatigued. So there's got to be something else. I went home that night, and I couldn't sleep till about 4 in the morning. It suddenly occurred to me the answer, which is you don't really have to concentrate, even in the dangerous environment, the whole time. You just have to know when you need to concentrate and use all the techniques of operating excellence to bring them to bear to make sure you don't make a mistake. So most of the time, even in space, small mistakes don't cascade to disaster. They don't have any consequence at all. You just have to learn to know when is it required. And so the technique became identify trigger steps, steps steps that that have immediate consequence uh, or or a severe consequence. And, And you can use this in everyday life. I can predict when I'm going to do something that will have an immediate effect or immediate consequence, and then you be very careful. So the, the quick example I want to share with you is the story of Apollo 8. So if you remember back in 1968, Christmas Eve, we launched uh, three Americans, Borman, Lovell, and Anders, who left the gravitational influence of the Earth for the first time in human history, four and a half billion years. So they flew around the far side of the moon, and they had to conduct a lunar orbit insertion burn to do a maneuver on the on the far side of the moon, and that burn had to be conducted flawlessly. They could not make a mistake. If they burn a little bit longer than four minutes and seven seconds, they would impact the surface of the moon and die. If they burn less than four minutes and seven seconds, they'd end up in an endless orbit around the sun and perish a week later when they ran out of uh, uh, oxygen, food, water, etc. So they had to conduct this burn flawlessly. There was no one there to help them because we were isolated. The other five billion of us on the planet were on the other side of the moon on Earth. So how do they conduct that maneuver flawlessly? That's a trigger step for them. They really have to be careful. The way they did it was, of course, they used the checklist and the procedures, but 15 seconds prior to the burn, you think to yourself, well, the only thing that matters in a burn in space or in the maneuver in space are four things, propellant, ignition, steering, and timing. And I can verify those four things very quickly to make sure we do not make a mistake. So bring that back down to the earth. As, as a pilot, I've flown 20 different kinds of airplanes and, and space vehicles. And I always worried about, well, so where are the trigger steps during a flight evolution? One of them is crossing the runway threshold with the intention of taking off. Now, of course, I follow the checklist and the procedures as best I can with myself and my crew, but we still might have made a mistake. So every takeoff before 
take off. When I cross the runway threshold with the intention of taking off, I do what I call the CLEC checklist, which is configuration, controls, lights, engines, and clearance. And if I verify those five things, then I know I will not die in the next 30 seconds when I take off. The configuration is set. I have the flaps properly set. The controls are free and clear. Internal and external warning and caution lights are set. The engines are working fine, and I have clearance to take off. And, and then I can trap any errors that I might have made in the previous uh, conduct of the checklist. So understanding the trigger steps is one technique, and then what you do about it is, is a second. And you can use it in, in everyday life to, you know, for example, make sure you have the key when you leave the hotel room. Uh, think of that before you close the door, not after you close the door, various various times in your life that you can identify trigger steps and then do something to prevent immediate disastrous consequences. Excellent. So obviously you have learned things, you have absorbed lessons in your career. As you had a chance to observe the organizations you've been in uh, throughout your career and, and the people that you go talk to now, just generally, how do you think we do with lessons learned? Are we, are we learning? You know, one of the things people often say is we keep learning the same lesson over and over again. But how do you see that? I mean, from your vantage point, from your perspective, how do you think we humans are doing with lessons learned? So it's, it's one of the great advantages humans have over other animals in the kingdom. We can read accident reports and, and learn often we don't do a very good job of it, in my personal opinion. We, we do in the short term, but then we tend to revert back into our old ways, and we, we tend to forget about accidents we've had in the past, and suddenly another accident occurs, and we think it's unique until we do the investigation, and then we realize, oh, this is pretty similar to what we had 10 years ago. Um, so it's, it's really up to, I think, the leaders in the organization to encourage a culture of learning, uh, and, and how do they do that? Well, I've seen some workers who are really good at it. Um, Terrell Kassim is a, is, was a installation manager down in the Caribbean on a drilling platform, and I watched him conduct a, a weekly safety meet department heads, and they would share, you know, they would review lessons learned from another rig that happened, you know, last month or two months ago, whatever. Um, and But it's not just sharing what happened on that other rig. The important part is the conversation you have next. So he looked at his department heads and said, well, how does this apply to us? And well, the first comment was, well, we, we really don't have that kind of equipment, so it doesn't really apply to us. But I can think of a similar situation that might occur to us if we didn't have the benefit of this accident that they experienced. So here's how I'm going to think about it this week as we go to operate. And so he put it in terms of here's how it, here's how that accident applies to us, even though the system was a little bit different. And they enacted those new ways of thinking about things, and they kept it alive. And so that's the important conversation. You know, my boss, I mentioned George Abbey, uh, back at NASA, we had a, a tragic fatality at the Johnson Space Center. And a year later, when it was time to... Uh, close off that, you know, and sign off on the investigations complete. We've implemented the corrective actions. 
He wanted to know how have we really embedded the lessons into the organization? Don't just tell me you've implemented the corrective actions, but how do the people take these new methods that we're going to use to prevent fatalities like this in the future? How have they really brought it to life in the organization? And he wanted to hear this is how we've incorporated and this is how we've changed and how we're continuing to operate in the future so that we don't ever forget the lessons from the tragic accident. Excellent. Sir, I know we could talk for, for hours because this is all great stuff, but I want to be mindful of the of the time. So I'd like to turn it over to you for any last thoughts, last comments, last Jim Weatherby pearls of wisdom that you'd like to pass on to our listeners. Well, I think the important thing to remember is that uh, many companies and managers believe there's a trade-off between safety and profits that's, that's common in Western businesses, but it really is not a trade-off. If you create and embrace the principles of operating excellence and high-quality work and you help your operators do better with higher-quality work and processes and procedures and techniques of operating excellence, then you can prevent all accidents even ones that you thought were unpredictable, and simultaneously, synergistically, you will be increasing shareholder value. By the very definition of high-quality work, the, the workers are doing better, they're operating better, they have better mental attitudes, they're using the techniques, of course, they're following the rules, policies, and procedures the best way they can. But on the day that the rule doesn't apply or it's confusing, they'll take the appropriate action, whether to stop or continue, uh, because they understand the system. You know, a great lesson that I learned from Chuck Yeager, I was playing in a band one night, and he gave a speech, and he said, if you really understand the system, you will be able to invent solutions uh, that you have no procedure for. So if you... If you understand the principles of operating excellence and high-quality work and you know how to control risk, then you can be safe and productive simultaneously. That's great. Well, sir, once again, thank you very much for your time and just the great information you're willing to share with me and our listeners today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that two-part discussion with Jim Weatherby. His webpage link is in the podcast description. Several events coming up in the next several months. Oshkosh 2021 takes place 26th July through the 1st of August. The 2021 AIAA Aviation and Aeronautics Virtual Forum and Exposition will take place on 2 through 6 August. The European Flight Test Safety Workshop in London, England, 12 through 14 October. SFTE's annual symposium will be held in St. Louis, 10 to 15 October. The Society of Experimental Test Pilots annual symposium and banquet will take place 27 through 30 October in Anaheim, California. Please check the organization's websites for the latest information on registration, call for papers, and reservations. Have you read this month's Flight Test Safety Fact newsletter? If so, you saw the recap of the Virtual Flight Test Safety Workshop, a discussion on culture, and some more reflections by me on Mission X. If you haven't read it, well, then you are missing out. You can access it via our website at www.flighttestsafety.org. That's it for this month. Thank you, as always, for listening. Send us your feedback and any ideas for topics you'd like to hear about. We want to hear from you. And until next month, be safe, 
Be smart and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.